0: Ever had that important life event or that crucial event coming up in your life and you kind of know it's coming, whether it's a new job or a new school um, or a a big test or something health-related, like you know it's coming and you prepare for it and you're ready for it, but like the day before or a few hours before it comes, you begin to feel it a little bit more than you did on the days up, so you get a little more nervous, a little more anxiety, um, a little unsure about what's going to happen, maybe even fear. Um, for what's about to happen in that moment. So I think most of us have experienced this kind of feeling, that the the night before, right before, you feel things that you didn't feel a few days ago. Um, And so we usually feel those and understand those when we know those moments are coming. Uh, The problem is, a lot for most of us, the the crucial moments in our lives don't actually happen on a schedule, right? They just kind of show up at random places, and so they're really hard to prepare for. And um, So the question we're talking about this morning is, how can we prepare for those crucial moments of our lives? When they come, how can we be ready? And yes, this will also work for the ones that you know are coming, um, but we can kind of sort of handle those a little bit. We'll talk about that. But that's what we're looking at this morning, because we're going to see Jesus right up against him being crucified. And so we're hours away, and so we're going to see what Jesus does in this moment and how we can learn from that. And so we'll be reading from Mark chapter 14, Um, it's page 903 in the Bible that's in front of you, or you can follow along um, through our app if you go to the Sunday service and click read the scripture, it'll take you right to it. Um, And so you can do that, but we're going to read 32 through 52, I'm going to read it all together and then we'll kind of go through it um, in a minute along the way. And so let's start in verse 32, it says, then they came to a place named Gethsemane, And he told his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. And he said to them, I am deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake. And he went a little farther. He fell to the ground, and he prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. And then he came and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Couldn't you stay awake one hour? Stay awake and pray so that you won't enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And once again, he went away and prayed, saying the same thing. And again, he came and found them sleeping because they could not keep their eyes open and they did not know what to say to him. And then he came a third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough! The time has come. See, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up. Let's go. See, my betrayer is near. And while he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, suddenly arrived. And with him was a mob with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. And his betrayer had given them a signal— this one I kiss, he said, he's the one. Arrest him and take him away under guard. So when he came, immediately he went up to Jesus and said, Rabbi, and kissed him. And they took hold of him and arrested him. And one of those who stood by drew his sword, struck the high priest's servant, and cut off his ear. And then Jesus said to them, Have you, not, have you come out with swords and clubs as if I were a criminal to capture me? Every day I was among you teaching in the temple, and you didn't arrest me, but the scriptures must be fulfilled. And then they all deserted him and ran away, and now a certain young man wearing nothing but a linen cloth was following him. But they caught hold of him, and he left the linen cloth behind and ran away naked. He was in a hurry to get out of there, right? And so, what we see is Jesus at the beginning of the end for his ministry. He's been heading to the cross for a while, but he is hours away at this point. And sometimes, I think when we, when we picture Jesus going to his death, we have picture this, this stoic face that's unflappable, and he doesn't give in, and he doesn't have any trouble going to his death. And that, yes, that may be true for when he actually is crucified, but what we're going to see today is how Jesus actually feels What's happening? We see him feel the weight of what he's about to go through. So I want to actually talk about that first. We see this in verses 32 and 35 that when they got there, he asked the disciples to sit here and pray. And so he took Peter, James, and John a little further. He was deeply distressed and troubled. He said, I'm deeply grieved to the point of death. And then he went a little further and he falls to the ground. And so Jesus begins to be distressed and troubled. Right? This is something new because Jesus has been talking about his death for a long time in the book of Mark. He's made at least three predictions and other references to him going to give his life. So what's different about this one where he's feeling it and he's distressed than the other ones? And so I think it's similar to what we talked about at the beginning. The closer you get to the event, the more you begin to feel it. And Jesus knows what is coming. In addition to that, I just want to remind us that there's several verses that talk throughout Scripture about Jesus being able to sympathize what we are going through. And I think what we're going to see, we see in this section is actually a great example, right, that Jesus feels things, that he becomes distressed, that he's troubled, that he needs help, right? And so because of that, we can trust him because he knows that we also need those same things. He can identify with us. But in this moment, Jesus is overcome with emotions. There's fear, there's uncertainty, maybe even anxiety. And So this combination of words of distressed and troubled um, is used in combination to show how deeply Jesus is being affected, right? And it's not just that he's distressed, right? It says he's grieved to the point of death. And then it says he goes a little bit further and he falls to the ground, Now, this concept I think we're a little bit familiar with. Imagine, you know, walking, coming up on a car accident and you realize that the car is someone that you love and the car is just destroyed. So imagine what you would feel in that moment, right, where you just are crushed, right? And I picture all the things on TV where people do this and then they just like scream and cry and fall to the floor, right, because they're overcome with emotion. And so I think that's similar to what Jesus is doing here. And so the burden and the agony was so great that he couldn't even stand up. But what's really happening in these feelings? Because I think that's also important for us to understand. Why is it different now? Yes, we're closer, but is there more going on here than what we see? And so I think what's happening is Jesus is so close to his death that he's tasting what it will be like more fully. He understands how difficult this is going to be for him. He's going to bear what it says, the cup of God's wrath for the sins of the world. The Bible also often uses um, the image of a cup being poured out for God's wrath and judgment and justice on those who oppose him. And so Jesus knows that in order to accomplish all that his death needs to accomplish, he's going to have to take the wrath of God for sinners, to absorb the wrath of God for them to take the punishment for our sins and have the Father turn away from him as he does it. The depths of what he is about to experience to bring about salvation for sinners is almost too much for him to bear on his own, right? He understands what that means. But in that moment, he doesn't change his mind. He doesn't get the disciples together and say, okay, we've got 12 of us, let's go get whatever we can find and we'll go back out there and we'll start a riot and we'll make sure that this doesn't happen or we'll overcome or he doesn't call down all these angels to, to solve his problem, right? He doesn't do any of that. What does he do? He prays. In that moment, when he is about to face the most difficult thing that any person will ever face, he prays. And this isn't just a prayer Um, to show us what to do. Sometimes Jesus does that. He gives us like an example so we can see um, how we're supposed to do something, right? But this isn't Jesus going like, well, I don't really need to pray because I've got this covered and I'm going to do this on my own, but I'll pray just so the people coming after me will know how to pray in this. That's not what's happening here. Jesus is feeling it. He understands that he needs God's help. He can't do this on his own. So, this is a real prayer because Jesus is really hurting. He's really distressed. He really needs help from his Father. And in his prayer, he's honest with God, very honest about what is happening. He doesn't pretend like this isn't a big deal, that he's okay, right? I've got this covered. No, he asks for help. It's an honest, biblical prayer. I think his prayer also helps us understand how we can pray even when we feel like everything is crashing in on us. He shows us that it's okay, even biblical, to cry out in what, what the Bible talks about as lament, right? To protest the difficulties of life, to ask God why, to ask God how long is this going to last, right? It's okay to cry out to God in this way. But that's not all we see about prayer here. I know that was a really long introduction, but we're going to keep going through. So so today we're going to see how prayer can help us prepare for those crucial moments of lives, whether they're planned or spontaneous. So first, I think we see that prayer actually prepares us for those events, and it prepares us specifically to do God's will. We see this in verse 36, where Jesus is praying. He says, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but you, what you will, right? Jesus is preparing himself to follow God's will no matter what. He knows that God can do anything. God does have the power and the ability to take this suffering away from him and maybe even to find another way to accomplish his plan. But this, isn't, this prayer isn't about God's ability, it's about God's will, Right? Just because God is able to do something doesn't mean that he always will. In this case, it was better for all of us that Jesus go through with God's plan and give his life on the cross for our sins. That was the best thing that could happen, even though it was challenging. And when Jesus asks God to take the cup away from him, right, he isn't necessarily expressing doubt. He trusts the Father completely, and he's going to obey what the Father asks of him. So his prayer isn't trying to overturn God's will or to tell God, hey, you've got it wrong this time. There's definitely another way to do this. That's not what he's doing in this prayer. He's asking his loving Father if there might be another way. And if there is, let's do that instead. Right? But he's saying in that, I trust you and your plan over my emotions. I know the plan. I know what's coming and I'm willing to do it. But it's going to be hard. I know that. But I'm in. But if there is another way, I'm up for that as well. So it's Jesus trusting and aligning himself with God's will in that moment. And we can pray in the same way. And one of the ways that we prepare for that is we can actually pray to follow God's will ahead of time. Um, There's this thing among preachers about how you kind of plan what sermons you should preach. Um, This is kind of inside baseball. You guys don't hear much about this, but um, there's this conversation among preachers about how early you can decide what you should preach through um, because the, the, the argument is if you're following the Holy Spirit, then you should wait till the week of, and the Spirit will give you um, what you should preach that week. Then on the other side, this is the side I'm on because um, you guys know we go straight through books, and we ha- I actually have it planned to the end of the year already. Um, the argument on the other side is the Holy Spirit doesn't just work last minute, right? The Holy Spirit can work ahead of time if you pray and if you seek Him. He can tell you what's coming and what you need to do. And there's pastors kind of all over the place that tell stories of, we planned to preach this thing nine months ago, and when we got to that point, whatever was happening in current events perfectly lined up with where we got in that. Um, we did a lot of that actually in 1 Peter in the middle of the pandemic and all of the unrest that was happening. So some of our sermons lined up perfectly with what was happening. And so this is similar to that. We can pray to align ourselves with God's will ahead of time. Right? And Jesus does that too. He doesn't wait until he's facing betrayal and arrest and he's in the moment to decide to do God's will. He uses this prayer to solidify himself before he gets there. And so we don't have to wait until we're in the moment and then pray for the Spirit to guide us or God to help us. We can actually decide that ahead of time. We can pray like Jesus, the same thing, not my will, but yours be done. Not just in the moment, but in the future as we come along it. So we can pray regularly for God to show us his will through his word, both through scripture and through the Spirit speaking to us. So in this section, I'm just going to give you a couple of examples of what this would would sound like. Because sometimes I feel like we talk about prayer and we teach on prayer, but sometimes it's just helpful just to hear some words of what this prayer would actually sound like. So if you were praying this, you would say something like, God, show me your will. I'm ready. I'm listening. Speak to me. Show me what you want me to do. As I read, or if you're reading the scripture, as I read your word today, help me to see how can I, I can obey you and follow your will. We can also pray for God to help us see and hear his will, to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading in our life. This would sound something like, God, help me to hear the Spirit speaking to me, guiding me. Help me to have ears to hear. Help me to set aside times free of distraction to listen for you. We can also pray for God to give us resolve and obedience to follow his plan, no matter what it is, to obey his commands and principles and plans over our own feelings and plans. So this would sound similar to, God, when I hear your will, your plan for me, help me to be obedient to your calling. Help me to follow your will over my own. Give me the strength to follow you. And so prayer can help prepare us to follow God's will even ahead of time. We don't have to wait for the moment. So that whatever comes, whatever opportunities, decisions, or temptations, we are ready. But prayer also prepares us to avoid temptation. When Jesus goes to the disciples and he finds them sleeping, what does he say? He says, stay awake and pray. And when he comes back, the stay awake that you hear, um, if you remember back to the end of chapter 13, we had this parable about an a innkeeper and the servants, and they should, be, they should stay alert because they don't know when he's going to come back. This is the same term that Jesus uses here. So just recently, he's given them this parable to stay alert. And then he finds them in the garden and they're not staying alert. So he reminds them to stay awake, stay alert. And he also encourages them not just to stay alert, but also to pray. He tells them actually to pray for a specific purpose. Pray so that you won't enter temptation. Right? So in order to avoid temptation, we we need to do the same thing. We need to stay alert and we need to pray. They were tempted, I think, in this moment, obviously, to fall asleep. Right? Because they were tired. But they were tempted not to be alert, not to be ready um, and as we saw, in, in as we read the Scripture, I think there's a temptation also to fall away, to abandon Jesus. So, how does prayer help us fight temptation or prepare us to do that? Um, one is that as we pray, as we spend time in prayer, it actually makes us aware of our weaknesses and our temptations. When we're seeking God and we're asking Him literally saying, God, show me my weaknesses, show me my temptations, and if you already know what they are, to name them and say, help me overcome my pride or my arrogance or my judgment or my gossip or my lust or whatever it is, right? Help us to overcome that, right? To overcome that by name. And when we're aware of our temptations, we can actually recognize those situations before we get there so that We can decide ahead of time. When I see this coming, when I see this temptation kind of heading my way or a situation where I might be tempted, I can just turn away and do something different. Right, and so as we pray this, we would say something like, God, strengthen my resolve. Help me to see the folly or the danger in sin. And help me to to see the greatness of following Jesus. Right? Because sometimes... In the moment, it's really hard to see. But when we step back, sometimes we can see the the foolishness of continuing to sin and the greatness of what it is to follow Jesus, right? That he is actually better than anything else that we think we can get on our own. So it, it helps us to avoid temptation. But I think prayer also prepares us to receive God's strength. And so, right after he tells them to pray to avoid temptation, he gives them this line, which is I, probably going to sound really familiar. It says, The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Right? After Jesus st- tells them to stay awake, and this word for flesh here, you can actually take this two different ways. One is our physical bodies, right? And as amazing as our bodies are, like you can like regrow skin if you lose it. Um, your bones repair themselves if you break them. This is like an amazing piece of machinery that we've got going on here. But even as great as it is, right, it does break down. And in this case, the disciples are tired. It's the end of the day. They just had a big meal. Um, It's dark outside, and they're sleepy. And so, I think that's one of the things he's like, is like, look, your bodies, they're not going to work the way they're supposed to right now. So, you need to You need to ask for help. You need to ask for strength just to stay awake in this moment. But it could also mean our fleshly or spiritual bodies or desires. And in that, it's the same concept, right? Our spiritual lives are weak, right? We haven't fully conquered sin. We may, as we become Christians, have overcome the power and the penalty of sin, but it still is in us. We are still tempted. We still sometimes fall away. And so our spiritual life is weak, and we need God's strength to overcome that, to strengthen our spiritual lives as well. Both of them can keep us from doing God's will, a weak body and a weak soul, right? And lead us into temptation. And we've been talking throughout the book of Mark about the journey of discipleship, of how Mark is trying to show us what it looks like to be faithful disciples, I think our faithfulness as disciples is contingent upon prayerful dependence on the Holy Spirit, right? This is actually a core part of the gospel message, right? The message of what Jesus has done for us is that we cannot do it on our own. We cannot be saved on our own. We can't overcome our sin on our own. We need help. And that's where Jesus comes in. He gives his life on the cross to overcome that for us. And as we put our trust in him and believe in what he has done for us, we can overcome those things. He gives us the strength to be able to do that. And so we need strength. Jesus and Mark are both teaching us that God is the power that enables our faithfulness. And we receive that power through prayer. And so all we have to do is ask for it. Ask God to give you power. Ask God to give you strength. Ask Him for strength to overcome temptation. Ask for the Spirit to be strong in your life. So our prayers can help prepare us for whatever comes our way. This is actually one of the things I pray with my kids every night, right? I remind them that God is with them no matter what comes their way, that He is there. He can give them whatever they need in whatever they encounter that day or that week or whatever happens in their life. And so prayer prepares us. But I think we also see in the second half, it's sort of like, this is, this may sound a little funny at first, it's sort of like a case study Um, in prayer is what we see in what actually happens in the garden. And so I just want to walk us through that because we know that prayer can prepare us, but it also produces faithfulness. But we see different levels, I think, of people who were maybe praying or not praying so much in what happens in the garden. And so in Judas, what I think we see is that long-term lack of prayer leads to betrayal. Because Judas comes in, he arrives, he comes with the mob, with swords and clubs from all the religious leaders. He gives them the signal, arrest him. And he went up to Jesus and kissed him, and they come to arrest him. And so here comes Judas, right, into the scene. After their prayer, they go to the garden. Jesus is ready. And we know that Judas has been drifting for a while. Um, He's agreed to betray Jesus for money. We've seen that. Um, If you pick up some of the stories um, about Judas from the other Gospels, um, it will tell you that he's been stealing money from the treasury um, to use for his own purposes. And so, for a while, Judas kind of has revealed he's not really fully on board with what Jesus is about to do or with what the disciples are doing. And I think in that, we could probably say he's not spending a lot of time in prayer. He's not spending a lot of time doing those things or from following Jesus, so I think a lack of prayer actually leads us to drift away from God, from following Jesus. And here's, here's what's hard, because I'm saying it leads to betrayal, and you're like, I would never betray Jesus, I would never do what Judas did. And that may be true, right? But I think we underestimate what happens over time if we have a prayerless or a small prayer life in our lives, because it's not an immediate thing right, you're not all of a sudden just going to abandon your faith. But if over time you don't spend time talking to God, listening to God, asking for help, overcoming your sin, and dealing with your temptations through prayer, then you slowly drift. And the longer you drift, the further away you get, and the further away you get, and the further away you get. And then all of a sudden, things that you never thought you would ever do become a temptation, become a possibility. It doesn't happen all at once, but it happens slowly over time. And so, the way that we combat that is to pray, right? To pray, to ask for help, because what we're talking about is, right, drifting disciples become betraying disciples. It may not seem like betrayal, but it's, it's really a turning away from God, a lack of loyalty to Him. And you may, in this moment, this is... Some things you might say if you're, you're drifting or you're in this situation. You may say, it's okay to do it my way. I know what God's will and God's plan and His commands are, but it's okay if just this one time I do it my way. Or God's commands are for other people, right? I'm a strong enough Christian. I'm good enough. I can overcome this. It's not really a temptation for me. That command is for somebody else. Or, nobody's really getting hurt when I do this, so it's got to be okay. Or, I'm already getting into heaven, I'm a Christian, so what does it matter what I do? Right? Those are phrases or things that people who are drifting are going to say. And I've heard all of these in real life, so people really say these. And so, long-term lack of prayer puts us in a very dangerous place. Because we drift and we drift and we drift. But prayer brings us back. It takes us from being disconnected from God and Jesus and his plan to being reconnected. So we reconnect in prayer. Next, I think a lack of prayer leaves us unprepared. And we see this with the disciples. Uh, verses 47 through 52, um, they come up, they try to arrest Jesus. Um, one of the, ser- the people who stood by drew his sword, struck the high priest's servant, cut off his ear, and then they all ran away. Some of them to the point that they left all their clothes behind and ran away. So, when times got tough, the exact thing that Jesus was trying to prepare them for, to stay alert and to pray so that they would avoid temptation, they didn't do. And so, when the moment came, they weren't ready. In the moment, right? They react one with violence at first, right? They gave in to their anger. They just reached out. Instead of the Holy Spirit relying on the Holy Spirit, they just did, Hey, this is what I think we should do. We should just get on our swords and start chopping at people. Right? It's really not the plan that I think God intended or what Jesus wanted them to do in that moment. And then they also reacted by protecting themselves. Right? Their first thought wasn't to follow Jesus. It wasn't to see, hey, what is Jesus doing? Is he running? Is he fighting? Is he arguing? What is he doing? No. Their first instinct after that was to protect themselves and run. And so they turn their backs on Jesus and they leave him alone in the garden, even though just moments before they all protested at the Lord's Supper, which was immediately before this, I would never betray you. I would never betray you. I would never run away. I would never leave you. And then probably less than a couple of hours later, they all do exactly that. And so when we don't pray regularly, it leaves us unprepared. We end up reacting in our own strength when those crucial moments come. When they hit us from out of nowhere, we just react from our own strength, from what we think we should do. And in a lot of those moments, we try to protect ourselves or not just ourselves, but even sometimes our stuff, instead of following God's will. And sometimes we even run away from God and His commands in those moments because we're unprepared, because we didn't pray, we didn't rely on the Holy Spirit even ahead of time. But lastly, we see in Jesus that prayer helps us remain faithful. Right? Jesus, in this moment, at the center of this event, he's spent time in prayer. He is prepared. And when the moment comes, he's calm. He is able to answer. He is able to respond to what is happening, right? He's basically saying, hey, why didn't you just arrest me earlier? I've been around. I'm not hiding. I'm teaching in front of people. You could have come and got me at any time. Why are you doing it now? But then he finishes with this phrase, and we've seen this be all along the way, but he says, the Scriptures must be fulfilled. right? In the moment, even when he knows it's about to be really, really hard, he is able to submit to God's will. He understands what he's about to do is hard, but the Scriptures must be fulfilled. God's will must be done. So Jesus, in the moment, is able to submit to that, no matter what is about to come, because He has prepared Himself through prayer, through honestly crying out to the Father and asking for help. And so the call for all of us from this, this is not going to be shocking, um, is to go deeper in prayer. We talk often about praying without ceasing or praying as you go in your life, um, which kind of talks about, you know, small prayers along the way during your day, which I think are great, and those are helpful. But I think in addition to that, we also need to have longer, uninterrupted times of prayer where we're focused on God, when we're listening to Him, when we're spending time in the Word and hearing from the Spirit through the Word. Because it's those long prayers, those long times of sitting before Him where we can actually understand more about who we are. More about our temptations, more about what we're struggling through. We're we actually hear God's will, hear His plan for us. So we need to go deeper in prayer, to spend more time doing it. There's great benefits for that, so that we can work through our issues. And I just want to end just with some, just kind of following up on all the things that we see, especially in Jesus, in prayer of just how we can pray. Um, especially when things are difficult, because that's what we see Jesus doing. Um, One, that we can question Jesus or God in prayer without doubt. We have permission to ask questions. We have permission to be upset with what is happening. Questioning doesn't always mean doubt. Questioning just means we don't understand, right? God, I don't understand what you're doing here. It doesn't make sense to me. And the hard part for us is we won't always and can't actually always understand what God is doing. We just don't have the capacity to be able to understand all that God is doing in the world. Also in our prayers, we can trust and ask for another way at the same time. We can know what God's will is, what He is asking us to do, whether that's a general call to make disciples or share the gospel in Scripture or it's a specific thing that He has given to you, right, in day-to-day life. You can hear that and know that and still want to do it another way, right? God understands that following Him is sometimes difficult, or it stretches us further than what we're comfortable with. So it's okay to ask, just like Jesus does, is there another way to accomplish this? And if it is, I'd like to do that. But if there's not, I'm submitting. I'm following you. I'll do what you're asking me to do, All right, To trust in obedience no matter what his answer t- is to us. And then when he answers us, we can be obedient and ask for help. God just doesn't just send us out on our own and say, good luck. I hope it works out. No, he is with us. He wants to help us. He wants us to ask him for help. We can align with God's will even when it's challenging, Because He loves us and because He's with us and because He wants what's best for us and because He desires for us to trust Him more, we can live according to God's will. And we do all of those things, we understand all of those through prayer. I think that's what Jesus wants us to see, that when things are hard or even when things are good, what we need is prayer. Times of sitting before the Father and asking Him and being honest with Him and asking for help in our struggles or temptations, or what should I do in this situation? What's the next plan for me? What job should I take? What should I do to reach out to my neighbors? How can, who can I share the gospel with? How can I do that, right? All of those things we gain when we spend time in prayer. So let us all become a deeply praying people. We you guys pray with me this morning? God, we come before you and we just, we just want to pray, right? To come before you and, and tell you where we're at. Some of us are doing great. For some of us, the, the school year is over and our kids are out of school and we just want to forget <laughs> what happened in the last year. Some of us have a week left and we're still struggling to make through. Some of us are working from home. Some of us are back in the office. Right? Some of us are dealing with health issues. Some of us are doing great. So, so no matter where we are, God, we want to pray to you. We want to reach out to you. We want to hear from you. We want to be strengthened by you. We want to trust in you. We want to align ourselves with your will, with your purpose in our lives, no matter what that is. And then as we do that, right? we want to be obedient. So we ask that you would give us whatever we need to do that, to give us strength, to give us boldness, to give us courage, to give us peace, to give us whatever we need to be able to follow your will when we hear it and when we see it in your word. So God, I pray that for all of us, you would give us the discipline Um, just to be able to set aside times of prayer, not just two minutes, but, but five minutes or 10 minutes or even more, 20 minutes, that we would just spend time talking to you, listening to you in your presence because our connection with you and your power through the Spirit is the only way that we can make it through, is the only way that we can be faithful believers who follow you. So help us to seek you In prayer. In your name I pray. Amen.